You're listening to Impulse to Innovation. The Institution of Mechanical Engineers podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Helen Mees. As a global community of mechanical engineers with over 120,000 members in 140 countries, the Institution of Mechanical Engineers has been at the heart of the engineering profession since 1847. The institution's mission is to improve the world through engineering by sharing the latest news, views and insight into the creative world of technology and the people that make it happen. Well, what a year it's been. Who'd have thought at the beginning of 2020 we would not only have an iMechE podcast show, but we would be socially distanced, locked down and masked up. And instead of having a cosy chat with my two wonderful guests today in the comfort of the Institution HQ, we are sadly miles apart and on the internet. Colin, Terry, thank you so much for joining me today. A happy Christmas to you both. And I hope it's going to be a happier new year for 2021. So let's start with this year though. Terry, I'm guessing you weren't expecting this for your presidential year. How have you managed to carry out your duties despite the pandemic? And how has the membership stepped up to the challenge during the last 10 months? Well, Helen, that's uh, that's a really good question. Um, I, I made my commitment to be in the race for president in uh, December 2018 and, and words like lockdown, furlough, and COVID would have required an explanation. Uh, as you know, uh, I became president in May this year. And by then, most of us were enduring lockdown conditions and normal daily life was practically non-existent. So difficult times. Uh, you know, the situation has presented everyone with, with new challenges and we've all, we've all had to adapt uh, and we continue to adapt, you know, to what is perhaps the emerging new normal. Yeah. So as president, uh, it's meant what would have been a very... Uh, physical experience, meeting and greeting our members all over the world has been an entirely virtual experience, almost like being immersed in a video game. (laughs) I am a naturally class half full person. So I would hastily add that, you know, it's not all negative. It has allowed me to be significantly more efficient, uh, meeting more people in more countries than perhaps I would have done uh, and getting through more assignments and probably spending more direct time with the leadership team. uh, And for sure, spending practically nothing on the presidential budget. Um, I've heard many past presidents talk about their worry of increasing waistlines during their year as president, and I can tell you that that is absolutely not an issue for me. Excellent. (laughs) Um, And as to the members, well, they have absolutely stepped up to the challenge. Uh, Engineers solve problems, and I've been absolutely amazed by the reports of our members continuing Oh, sorry, contributing to, to the to the frontline efforts of you know to mitigate the pandemic, you know, delivering the Nightingale hospitals, manufacturing PPE, designing and, and building ventilators, or just simply volunteering their time to help others. Yeah. You know, as you know, we have created a, a COVID task force as well in the institution under the leadership of our immediate past president, uh, uh, Professor Joe McGeek, with Frank Mills and Mark Jackson and Peter Hebbard and, and others. Uh, and they have mustered a cross-sector team from our global membership, you know, to share the learning from their own countries. And that has resulted in production of a COVID manual that was issued recently. It's actually on our website now. And it's a really, really well-informed and and a go-to point of reference for guidance to mitigate the COVID impact. It's brilliant. It really is. So as president, I'm really proud 
of how our members have, have risen to the challenge. You know, I think engineers are often the the unsung heroes, uh, and I, I, you know, I think we should really take time to reflect and recognise the hugely valuable contribution they make to both society and the economy. Yes, I, I would certainly agree with that, Terry. Um, I mean, from my point of view, seeing what's gone on over the, the last few months, um, the way the engineering community has responded has just been incredible. I don't think there's there's enough words to really describe it. It's it's, it's been quite uh, an amazing opportunity, um, it, despite it being a, a horrendous situation, uh, to see the engineers uh, really step up to the mark. So, yeah, I'd agree with you on that. Colin, Becoming CEO during such a difficult time internally for the institution must have been hard enough, but but then to go into lockdown and have to close the institution building this year, that has to be one of the hardest calls for any CEO. How, how have you and, and the staff been coping with this transition to, to remote working? And, and what are the positives do you think that have come out of this for, for the Amici team? Well, I think there are a lot of positives, Helen, that have come from it, because as you say, um, back in July 2018, when I got that call and said, are you willing to come and step up and help out? I never dreamed that I'd be doing it from uh, my sitting room. Um, <laughs> it's a very curious feeling to do. But, but what's really come through, and Terry's alluded to this, is the ability because uh, I'm in my sitting room and you're in yours, is that we're, ne- we're interacting, whereas before we'd have been worried about could we catch the train or could we uh, get together or, or bring two meetings at the same time. It's really facilitated interaction between people. And, and one of the pieces I think that's extremely lucky is that uh, in the UK we're sat at the middle of the time zones so that we can engage people in, in North America over breakfast at the same time as we're engaging people in Hong Kong and Australia over supper. And so the, the time yeah. around the middle of the day is, is one of the busiest times of the, uh, of the day now for us to, to get people involved. And, and Terry has, has highlighted that when you do get that involved, and he, he talked about the COVID-19 manual on our website, and I certainly encourage everybody to go and look at the COVID-19 manual it's right up there on our home page the links to it on the website it's got um 10 different authors um uh, uh, hong kong particularly put huge uh, effort into it and all of us who've, who've been involved know the huge different uh, areas that engineers have contributed to um uh, dealing with the pandemic and we wouldn't have been able to do that in the past because we'd have set up a work group that met in london uh, once a once a month or something like that and and things have just been been a lot easier I think, I think that, unfortunately, the challenge that comes is that um, there is no such thing as the working day anymore. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, you used to have a situation where you would kind of commute and you would get to work. And I know you, Helen, you used to leave home at six o'clock, but you would, uh, you would commute and you'd get to work and uh, you'd do your work and then you'd go home. And there was a, a natural break. Now uh, we've got lots of people working flexibly. We've got lots of people working in different time zones and you can get uh, interactions 24 hours a day, virtually seven days a week. So we really are thinking uh, about how we deal with that to uh, ensure that we don't uh, make that bad. So all this good interaction is good. We just want to, don't want to make it into too much interaction. 
yeah, uh, I, th- I think uh, that's something that I've recognised quite quite significantly. Getting emails in the middle of the night and um, you know messages on a weekend, and and also forgetting what day of the week it is as well, <laughs> which is uh, which is something that's that's a, a bit strange. But uh, yeah, I think we we have to be very careful of that sort of issue of burnout, don't we? Definitely, yeah. Terry. I, I know that you've been really passionate this year about driving the the governance changes forward during your term in office. And despite the lack of being able to meet physically, as as Colin's been talking about, how has the the implementation group and of course the trustee board uh, ensured that that momentum hasn't been lost and, and, and that we're really getting to grips with these important changes that we're making to the institution? Well, if I leave any legacy, um, I think it will be that I was part of a leadership team that took the institution through this period of change. You know, as we know, you know, the change was, was initiated during the presidency of Carolyn Griffiths. Uh, and looking back, it was very clear that, that change was needed. You know, the three yeah. major reviews of our governance, uh, our finance and our, and our disciplinary processes was very thorough uh, and well-informed. And, and they have laid out a framework for what I certainly feel will become a new governance benchmark for a professional engineering institution. And in my year as president-elect, I was initiated, well, I initiated and chaired the implementation group you've referred to, uh, which is a task and finish group challenged with implementing the recommendations of the reviews. And then when I became president, I, I handed the chair over to Dr. Kerry Mashford. And I am very grateful indeed uh, to Kerry for the progress she's made as well. Uh, and if you asked her, she'd probably say the same as me in that it's been a really difficult task. Uh, it's yeah. not easy trying to bring about such sweeping changes in a, in a, in a relatively space, short space of time. You know, it's required, it's required massive resolve. It's required diplomacy, patience, determination, you know, all those things to negotiate workable compromises and, and find consensus. You know, I think, our active members are perhaps the most passionate people uh, you could ever encounter. You know, they really take pride in their institution and want to see it prosper. Yeah. But that emotion can can create disagreement and conflict. Um, you know, and we've had a, we've had all that through this process. And I, and I take my hat off to all of those involved, no matter you know, no matter which side of the table they've been on. Understanding different perspectives is absolutely paramount. Uh, you know, and those debates on very sensitive issues have, have helped us to to get some great solutions. Uh, you know, we're not we're certainly not done yet, uh, but Kerry and the team, you know, they're making really great progress, and they are on track to have the the implementation group work completed by the end of my presidential year. And I certainly look forward to to supporting them. You know, uh, to to achieve that goal. You know, you mentioned the trustee board uh, and the role they have played in all of this. Well. The board is a team of 12 people, you know, and they are the ultimate uh, decision-making authority in the institution. And they have had a very tough year. You know, at this stage in my presidential year, we should have had five trustee board meetings. We've actually had 12 so far. You know, and that yeah. gives you an impression of how busy they've been. And I, I do consider myself very fortunate you know, to be president at a time when I feel we've probably the strongest trustee board this institution has ever had. It may be a consequence of what happened in 2018, but you know the level of understanding of the role of a trustee 
has never been greater. You know, and the commitment and acceptance of the responsibilities of the role goes beyond certainly what I've witnessed in my previous years as a trustee. You know, I have, I, well, I have such great confidence in them and I am genuinely proud of them, to be honest, uh, of what they've achieved collectively. You know, the trustee board is often targeted for criticism and, and it is really frustrating when that happens. But, you know, I'd like our members to know that, you know, they, you know, we do have probably the best team at the helm of their ship, you know, a team that takes seriously all the feedback they receive, whether it's positive or negative, you know, and they do consider very carefully the decisions they make. You know, they often don't agree amongst themselves and have differing opinions, but that's that's really what being a trustee is all about. It's about exercising independent thinking, looking at the evidence, the facts, you know, considering different perspectives, debating, you know, and then deciding. And then once we decide we align behind that decision. You know, it's a very effective way of working. It's what being a trustee is all about and it is moving the institution forward. Well, I, I think, Terry, it would be a sad day if all engineers agreed on something, you know, first time round. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's very important for us to be able to debate and to discuss. And, and I absolutely agree. I think um, everyone who's been involved in this whole process uh, has really committed themselves um, to making the institution fit for purpose for the 21st century, which is wonderful to hear. And I know we, um, uh, we had Kerry on uh, the podcast the very first show, in fact, and I don't know where she finds the time. She, <laughs> she works so hard, bless her. She's amazing. So it's it's really good to hear that that um, you know that process is still continuing, and that that you're all at least you know keeping sane uh, as you go through this process. So that that's great to hear. Thank you, Colin. I I was going back through the uh, the annual report. And uh, you said that 2020 would be our year of values. Uh, it would be an opportunity for the institution to demonstrate the very best behaviours and cultures in everything we do. What have been the highlights really for you in 2020 in terms of the way members have addressed behaviours and cultures, particularly during the pandemic? Well, I, it's very simple, Helen, which is that it's on the agenda. That, that every yeah. meeting you go to now, uh, generally they start with a diversity and inclusion moment. Uh, they'll start with some discussion about the values. Um, uh, I was at council uh, just uh, last week and it, uh, one of the key items started with an apology. Um, and so I do think that we're encouraged that uh, with the five values that we've put forward uh, and we've, we've run some workshops uh, over the last month or so and 170 of our active members have been involved in those workshops and one of the uh, main early recommendations is that our five values need to be very memorable and they've suggested five words and they've they've they're saying let's come up with five words and i and i offer them today they haven't agreed these yet but the the, the five values are around things like respect listening integrity innovation and contribution and i think that when you, you say that, okay, we're going to interact on that basis, you suddenly, as Terry said, you can have disagreement, but at the end of the day, you have a professional approach that means that the institution can make a contribution to uh, improving the world. You, you'll remember, Helen, when we worked together uh, four or five years ago, there was a, a, a piece of work called Stay or Go uh, about yeah. women in engineering. Yes, yeah, and, fantastic and, uh, piece of work. 
it's a it's a report that's on our website and I, I i somewhat encourage people to look back at that because it it dealt with the fact that women tend to get forced out of our profession because if you can't toughen up then you better get out and that was a message that women felt uh, rather more than men i think men also get it but this whole concept that if you can't cut it then you need to go I think we're really working now to say it's not like that at all. It's about making a contribution rather than winning a fight. And, and Terry highlighted in his part there about the, the ability of engineers to disrespect each other uh, because um, it's, I think it's a core weakness. It's almost taught that we should disrespect each other. Yeah, it, it is. We're taught to problem solve. We're taught to get the data and, sh and work out what the right answer. You, you remember when you did exams at school, you could get 10 out of 10 because you would get the right answer. And once we think individually that we've got the right answer, we can be very dismissive, uh, even rude, about people who have a different answer. And, and whether it's on climate change or the future of our profession or, or as Terry alluded to, what the governance, finance and code of conduct reviews are trying to intend, we're actually very dismissive that, no, I've thought this through and this has got to be the way forward. And so the opportunity to uh, respect, to listen, to act with integrity, and then to innovate so that at the end of the day we make a contribution is what we're here for. And I'm, I'm genuinely very encouraged. I think this is the year of our values. That's really nice to hear, Colin. And I would absolutely agree. I think one thing that I've learned from this year is with the amount of time I'm spending with headphones on uh, and and listening to conferences and meetings and those sort of things, I am having to listen more to what people are saying and and really pay attention. And, and I think that has made a big difference. I think when you're sat in a room with lots of people and they're talking over the top of each other, you perhaps don't listen to what the emotions and feelings of people are as much as you would do when you're when you're focused very much on people's voices so um i th i think you're right there i think there's there's some great opportunities this year to really change the way that we we listen and innovate terry i also read in the same report you 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 were likened going forward into the future as as having a forward facing seat on a train i thought that was a great way of, of uh, thinking of, of the future. So as we head into 2021, what, what are you looking forward to and what are your hopes for the institution this coming year? Okay, well, it, it is uh, an analogy I keep using and I think I'm in danger of perhaps starting to annoy some people with it a little bit, but anyway, I think <laughs> it's a good one. But it, it, does, it does capture well the fact that we need to look to the future and not dwell in the past. So the former is absolutely in our gift to to influence and, and the latter clearly isn't it's happened and it's gone and we, we can't change it and i think you know a new year is always a good time you know to you can reflect by all means but it's a good time to think about the future and you know, from my vantage point as president you know i'm seeing i'm seeing good things lying ahead for the imeki uh, you know we've taken steps to make the institution more engaging and accessible to, to all our members, especially the members who really want to get actively involved. Many have said that it's difficult to get involved. We've listened to what they've said. You, know, you may have seen the recent campaigns to get expressions of interest for members to get involved in our nominations committee and our strategy committee. Uh, and there'll be many more similar requests coming through uh, through the next year. You know, And what's really, really exciting is that we're getting 
expressions of interest uh, to get involved from members who haven't previously engaged with the institution actively. And I think that is absolutely brilliant. You know, that's absolutely what we should be doing to get to get new, new, new people, fresh thoughts coming in and then you know, really trying to get them engaged in, in, in pushing the whole thing forward. So I think 2021, you know, it will see the governance process completed, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, and I do feel we will be setting a new benchmark for a PE, for a PEI, sorry. Uh, and I hope, um, you know, we will be able to properly recognise the efforts of the many people who've made that happen, maybe with a celebratory beer, who knows, and wouldn't it be great and, and very symbolic to be able to shake the hands and thank them for their contribution? It's yeah. almost unheard of in today's world, but hopefully, you know, tomorrow's world might be a little bit different with the vaccine at uh, our assistance. Uh, next year, um, you know, we'll also be focusing our attention on the on our HQ building, our very iconic HQ building. It is in desperate need of some attention, and we are keen to find a sustainable solution that will ensure. It will be there for future generations of mechanical engineers to enjoy. So Helena Rivers, who is a trustee, uh, has been leading a team looking into the issues the building has, and it, and it does have issues. I'll not I'll not dwell on what they are, but it does have issues. It's a very very old building, you know, and ways to address the challenges of, of how we can create a means of refurbishing it, and also adapting it to to be a better workplace for our staff and a better place for our members to meet virtually physically you know and i am seeing some really good creative ideas so so do watch this space you know you'll be hearing more about this through next year and we will be doing our best to keep our members in the loop and seeking their views as well because ultimately you know they will need to decide on on what we do with this this very important asset that we have i think 2021 will also be a year well it is it is a year where we will say farewell to colin as our ceo which would be very very sad for all of us um, as Colin mentioned, he, he stepped up to the mark you know, when the institution was going through tough times, to be honest, in 2018. Uh, and he has been an inspirational leader. He, you know, he was, without question, the right person at the right time. You know, and he's, he's steadied the ship and he's helped us to, to set a new course. And I am immensely grateful to Colin for everything he's done. Uh, but I'd, be quickly, I'd like to quickly just add the fact that he's not done yet. Okay, so don't... Um, <laughs> you know, I have initiated a search for a new CEO uh, and Colin is actually supporting me in that, which is quite unusual, but I'm very, very grateful for his support in that process. You know, and our plan is to have a new CEO in office around around mid-year uh, next year. You know, I look for, forward to be able to, well, to formally thank Colin for his contribution, reflecting on the, perhaps reflecting on the journey um, where we've, uh, well, we'll say, we, I think we've all perhaps on the leadership team, we've been in the forward-facing seats, to use that analogy again. Yeah, and Colin has certainly helped us to, to to be there and to shape the institution and get it fit and ready for the future, for what will be, I'm sure, a much brighter future. So I'm very grateful to uh, to Colin. Oh, that's lovely, Terry. That's, that's really nice to hear. I, I think sometimes it's probably more likely the forward-facing seat on a roller coaster rather than a train, <laughs> I guess. Uh, <laughs> it's probably the experience. Maybe that's the new term of phrase that you might want to use. But Colin... <laughs> Terry, Terry has hit on something that I certainly, I couldn't finish this interview really without mentioning you stepping down, obviously, as CEO. Y- you have been a member of staff, dare I say it, for 16 years, is that right? That's right, 16 um, years. Yeah, and, and obviously a member of the institution for many years than is polite to mention in company. But what are you looking forward to? What are your hopes 
for the institution in the coming years? And, and also, what are you looking forward to doing with the time that you're not going to be CEO? I think is a great question. <laughs> well, I, I think the institution's in a great place, uh, Helen. We've uh, we've had a situation where. Uh, through um, things like the Grenfell Tower a disaster and the Dame Judith Hackett review of tall buildings, that professionalism has got to be the way of the future. And, we, and we've got to understand not how do we race to the bottom, but how do we race to the top. And I, I do feel that an institution that prides itself on uh, professionalism and its membership being peer-reviewed is in exactly the right place to ride the wave of the fact that we've got to get better at doing these sorts of things. And at the AGM, there was somebody who asked a question this uh, this May, uh, where, uh, sorry, September, it wasn't May, was it? Uh, we had to delay it because of COVID, um, who asked a question about volunteering and they were thinking about, uh, in the railway division, and they were thinking about becoming the chair of the railway division. Um, and, uh, and I reassured them that, the institution is is absolutely fixated on professionalism and the opportunity to improve the world through engineering and to, to steal Terry's, uh, to look forward as to how those things can be done rather than look back at the uh, the details of uh, of governance and, and uh, the, the kind of the way we manage ourselves. Much more about the contribution we can make uh, to society. And, and Terry's uh, highlighted the fact that NOMCO is running. And I just want to put the large numbers there. We, we had four places on NOMCO and we had over 40 people come forward. And as he said, many not come forward before. We're now in the process of putting six people on our strategy committee. And we've had 125 applications for it. There's going wow. to be 119 slightly disappointed people. But in terms of the future of the institution, isn't it fantastic that people want to come forward and they want to improve the world through, through engineering? Um, for me, I, I, it's obviously fantastic when people thank you, and I, I like to. I would like to feel when I step down that I've, I gave it my best, uh, and uh, however it worked out, uh, I was there. I, 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 I put some hours in, and uh, we did make some success. We we definitely steadied the ship financially uh, and from a governance uh, point of view. But my my work in the future will be. I want to continue to try and inspire people. That engineering is a great thing, Helen, that uh, the people, especially the young, should look to engineering as a career and what we can do to support teachers and schools, uh, especially. And the one thing I want to do uh, is to uh, respect other people, to listen to what they say, to act with integrity, to innovate the way that I do things and always to try and make a contribution. Well, Colin, I don't think anybody would deny the fact that you have made a significant contribution to the institution over the years, both as a member of staff and, and as a member. And I, I pride myself in being able to say that, um, you know, you have been a, a superb support to me and to many, many members uh, over the years uh, and with your advice and your encouragement and, and thank you thank you for giving me the opportunity to work with you, uh, but also the opportunities uh, for me to think about how I can develop as an engineer. So, and I'm sure there are many people listening who, who will feel the same way. So thank you very much for, for all that you've done. Thank you, Helen.
Well, gentlemen, thank you for, to both of you. Thank you, Helen. For, you know, your continued dedication to the institution and, and all the best to you and your families in 2021. It really only leaves me to wish all our listeners, on your behalf, of course, uh, wherever you are in the world, uh, a safe and happy holiday season from all of us at the Eye to Eye podcast. You've been listening to Impulse to Innovation, the Institution of Mechanical Engineers podcast. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to share any news or any feedback with us, then please email us podcast at imeke.org. All the information on this episode can be found in the episode notes.